Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by Lake Link, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by the Wisconsin Hunter Education Program with the Wisconsin DNR. DNR.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. Jeff Kelm will join us shortly, and today we'll get some turkey hunting tips from the turkey man, Eddie Salter. Pheasants Forever State Coordinator Marty Moses talks about mentoring opportunities for hunters, and Rough Grouse Society Forest Conservation Director John Steigerwald offers tips for managing private forest land for wildlife. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Time now for the Madison Outdoors Report. You hear this special feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070. It's streamed on demand on Lakelink and on our podcast on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. And joining us once again is Gene Dellinger. He's proprietor of DNS Bait and Tackle on Northport Drive in Madison. You can find him on the web at dsbait.com and on Facebook at DNS Bait and Tackle, where he has a weekly fishing report updated every Friday. Well, Gene, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for calling. Well, now, how's the fishing on Mendota? Um, it's been decent. I mean, the perch bite has, has been picking up. Been quite a few guys out doing that. The walleye bite's been mostly smaller fish. The pike, northern pike bite, that's been a little tough here as of late. But uh, with this cold weather and all the snow that we're starting to have piled up on the lake, transporting or getting around on the lake's getting more and more difficult. And uh, there's definitely fewer guys out this week with the cold weather. Yeah, this cold has certainly shut down a lot of interest, I know. And uh, after that last snow, there was difficulty getting on at some of the landings. Ron Bearfield told us that uh, recently. Uh, are they cleared now, or uh, how's, that, how's the access? Well, they, you know, the guys wind up busting a trail down, mm-hmm. and um, the trails aren't real prominent yet because we just haven't had... You know, a lot of traffic with this cold front that came in right after this last snow. Yeah. Uh, the guys, the guys that are going out and getting around are telling me it's it's not easy. I mean, they're getting around, but it's definitely uh, uh, more work with all the snow that's on the ice. Yeah. Are the perch out deep now? Yeah, they've been out in about 65 feet of water. Or so uh, some of the bigger fish are hanging up a little higher, 15, 20 feet off the bottom. Uh, but there's some of the guys are telling me they're seeing some pretty nice sized schools of fish. Uh, and, uh, and and sometimes they're doing pretty well. It seems to be a mixed bag, though. You know, you're going to pull off. Uh, if you got 25 fish, you probably got six or eight of them that you'd rather not have caught. But because you're catching them in such deep water, you know, you pretty much need to keep them. So. Yeah, because they're they're goners if you try to release them in that deep exactly. water. Yeah, yeah. What's a what do you call a big perch now on Mendota? Um, believe it or not, we've been getting some fish this this season that are 11 plus. Uh huh. Usually not over 12, and it's, you know, all the years we've been out here in Mendota, uh, true 12-inchers are hard to come by. Yeah. But I'm hearing and seeing a few more of those this year than I have in the past. Yeah. Okay. And your last uh, report on Facebook said the pike action is pretty good. It has been. It's been a pretty decent season. Uh, The last week or two, though, the bite's been a little tougher. I know some guys that have been out off of Governor's Island and struggling with the areas where they generally would be doing pretty good. I, I don't know how much of it's the weather here recently and stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the bite's been a little tougher for them. Earlier, yeah. there were some real nice fish being caught. Quite a few fish, I, you know, in the upper 30s, even in the, the 40-inch, 41, 42, I even heard a couple of those earlier. But now in the last week to 10 days, it's been a bit of a struggle from what I can tell. Is that mostly on live bait, or are they doing smelt on the bottom? What are they doing? Most of those guys are using live bait. Uh-huh. There are a handful that do do that do use smelt and, and have some success with that, but I would have to say most of the guys are using, um, you know, pretty big shiners or sucker minnows. Mm-hmm. Some of the guys even use some chubs once in a while. Yeah. I do sell quite a bit of smelt, and uh, it is a pretty popular bait, but it seems like most of the guys out here are using live bait. Yeah, okay. And you pick up a walleye now and then doing the same thing. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. One thing that I should mention or, or I find interesting anyway is the perch guys this winter out on the lake are occasionally catching some um, cisco which we haven't seen many cisco on the lake in many years every once in a while you'll hear one caught but I've heard of several this winter which is kind of interesting yeah now that's uh, a deep water fish obviously um, very common in some lakes up north 
Um, uh-huh. I, I wonder what that means if they're coming back on uh, on Mendota. Uh, uh, I I hope so. I hope I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why I hope so, but it just you know, like in '88, I think is we had a huge die off way the heck back then. Uh-huh. And uh, to be honest with you, the population has been pretty dismal ever since. Even questionable whether even any existed anymore in the lake. Yeah. But uh, the fact that you see five, six, eight of them that I actually seen guys have caught this year and i'm sure quite a few more that i haven't been yeah. made aware of and caught so it's pretty interesting i don't know it makes me think that maybe the lake is uh, getting healthier i hope well it would it would seem so and a little diversity is is a good thing you know in a fishery oh, for yeah. sure yeah Definitely. what do you hear on monona um a few perch out in front of the river and over in front of sluter beach kind of in between Sluter Beach and Oberg Park, out in about 30, 35 foot basin there, and about 35 foot of water out in front of the Air River. Um, but that was a few days ago. I haven't, like again, I haven't heard a whole lot since this cold snap. But uh, they've gotten some nice fish over there this winter. The bluegill bite over in Menona Bay continues to be a struggle for the most part. Although there's guys getting them over there, and there's some guys that are getting them fairly regularly. They they seem to have kind of keyed in on certain times of the day that the bite is better than other times, mm-hmm. and uh, they have the, they have the time to take advantage of it, and it seems to pay off for them. But for the most part, it's been a little disappointing this winter, uh, Monona Bay, as compared to the last, you know, many years. Monona Bay was just one of those areas you, you went to to catch fish. It know? was, uh, yeah, it was the spot. How about the Triangle? Are people still fishing that now? Oh, yeah, no, they're still fishing that, but it's the same, you know, body of water, and it's, yeah. it's also been a bit of a struggle. A little earlier there, I heard pretty consistently some pretty nice fish, you know, even some 8- and 9-inch bluegills, which are not the norm on Monona, but I heard it enough times to kind of, you know, I don't know, makes you think, but yeah. they were some nice fish. Yeah. Anybody getting catfish through the ice, or is that pretty I've much? not heard of much of that or any of that yet this winter. Yeah. Um, that's something that... Several winters ago, it was pretty popular, and there were a lot of guys doing it, and there was a lot of fish, you know, being caught. Last winter was fewer guys and uh, uh, fewer fish, and I just haven't heard much of it this winter or any of it this winter. Yeah, it, it kind of uh, disappeared. I, I know you talked about it a few times uh, a couple of years ago. How about Wabisa? Yeah. That was pretty hot for a while. Yeah, um, I'm hearing a few perch out in the main basin. A couple guys I know have been catching some pike. Like uh, north of the Green Lantern and over by Goodland Park and even off of Lake Farm Park, but the bluegill bite seems to be really tough over there. Hmm. Okay. And Keegan. That's weird. I hate to. Yeah. I hate to sound like a broken record, but that just seems to be the. <laughs> well, maybe the story. Blue, maybe bluegills are taking the year off. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, how about Kiganza? The Stoughton Conservation Club had their outing last weekend. Did that? Uh, did that happen? I didn't hear anything from that. Um. Oh. That doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah but uh, this winter i mean there have been some nice perch caught down there definitely not a crowd pleaser by any means but the guys who like to fish down there and and uh, put in the time have had some successful outing Mm -hmm. it's a pretty nice fish yeah i haven't heard anything as far as bluegills or walleyes go down there this this Uh season at all okay anything on uh, any other waters lake wisconsin or um, Lake Wisconsin is kind of quiet. A couple of guys I know that fish here fairly regularly have done fairly well in the last couple of seasons are complaining there's not much flow this year, uh-huh. not much current yeah. out in the areas where they like to be fish, like to catch them. Yeah. So I assume that's what we're using for an excuse this year anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, there were some guys up but prior to this snow, I would say, have to say probably three weeks ago now, a couple of guys I know that were pretty regularly going out in their boats up at the Dells and catching some quite a few walleyes. Mm-hmm. Of course, I haven't heard that here recently, and I would imagine there's a lot more ice in that river now than there was. Yeah, and that usually turns on the end of this month. Um, I know I talked oh, yeah. to Botch up at the uh, River's Edge, and, and they usually have uh, a lot of people come up there. In fact, it, it used to be a thing where uh, they'd go and break ice, you know, to be the first ones out there. I don't know no, if they're still doing no. that, but... Uh, years ago, I'm going to go back 25 years ago, I remember we would try to go out Super Bowl weekend sometimes. Yeah, yeah. This would have been a good weekend to do it since uh, <laughs> no team we cared about was playing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Any seminars this winter? You uh, you often do those, but not uh, with COVID. Yeah, we we generally do them through, you know, two different periods of time. We'll do some in the spring mm-hmm. uh, prior to the opening weekend, and we'll do some in uh, usually in December prior to the to Christmas 
this year because of the way things have been we did we just did two one in the spring and one pre-ice that we and we did them uh, live broadcast on facebook which went over pretty well the guys seemed to like that we had a lot of viewers and a, a lot of positive feedback on that so that's something we probably will attempt to do again this spring unless they loosen up and let us free yeah okay well gene what are your store hours before we let you go we are open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. It's 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday. And they can call us on the store on the phone here at 608-241-4225 anytime. All right. Well, Gene, thank you so much, as always. Appreciate your help. You bet. Thank you. You bet. Gene Dellinger, proprietor of DNS Bait and Tackle on Northport Drive in Madison. His website, dsbait.com, and Facebook, DNS Bait and Tackle, where you find his weekly fishing report. This is the Madison Outdoors Report on WTSO, the Big 1070. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800 800 5678 or visit com, and all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business if you need their help. Well, joining me once again from Wisconsin Rapids is my partner, Jeff Kelm. Jeff, it's been pretty cold. I'm betting you have not been doing much ice fishing. Nope, that's the greatest part about not having to guide or tournament fish is that I can be pretty fair weather. Uh, I, the fish would still eat. Uh, it's not a that's not the issue. It's that I don't want to be that uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I've, seen, I've seen your red hands in some of those photos. <laughs> I've had frostbite before. It's the point where I've lost a thumbnail. I mean, I, mm. I don't I don't need it. So, yeah, I am with you. Well, after urging people to forget the Super Bowl and go out side last weekend uh i ended up spending most of sunday outdoors but moving snow more than anything else we actually had 35 below sunday morning and uh 25 below tuesday morning um so i'm bundling up and you know just uh feeding animals carrying water hauling firewood dumping ashes hauling more firewood and so on <laughs> it's winter on the farm is uh as Shivani said, uh, did I said a couple of years ago, um, it's a full time occupation. It really is. Yeah, it it really is. I've got a uh, I've got a heated recirculating water system for the chickens, so they get like a fresh batch of tea every time they touch the water. So yeah. that's what uh, that's what keeps me going there. That's for sure. Yeah, Can't do anything I, about the eggs. The eggs still freeze, but uh, well, you got to get to them two or three times <laughs> yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. have uh, we've been pretty good about that. You know. Uh, I get them in the morning. I get about half in the morning and another half in the afternoon. We've been getting, with 48 hens, uh, about two dozen a day. And most of those are from young hens from this year. Yeah. Our older yep. hens molted. And yeah. so they won't start laying again until, eh, I don't know, till later this winter, early spring. But then, yeah, then it'll sure. be full on for sure. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, and a friend of mine actually said 35 below. I can't believe that. Post a, put a second thermometer up there. So I did. And Tuesday morning, they were identical at uh, minus 24 when I checked them <laughs> at, at 7.30. I'm sure it was colder earlier, but I just didn't get out there. Unreal, huh? Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, speaking of uh, cold weather and warm weather and looking ahead, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Sports Show, as of now, is scheduled for April 15th through the 18th. And uh, we are keeping tabs on that, and we'll report to you as we learn more. Um, I got my foreplay turkey call this week. Um, chalked it up, and it, it really sounds great. Uh, maybe I'll play it for you next week. i got to practice with it a little bit. It's... Uh, it's a nice little item, and uh, Brian Benolkin uh, personalized it. Uh, Dan Small on the lid, and get outside, oh, which cool. is yeah, which is the uh, the name of our new TV show that we're working on that I've been talking a little bit about, but more about that in the future too. Well, coming up, turkey hunting legend Eddie Salter talks about his upcoming appearance at the Open Season Sportsman's Expo at Kalahari Resort in the Dells. That's March 26th through the 28th. 
Pheasants Forever State Coordinator Marty Moses invites listeners to mentor another hunter. It's easier than you think, and he'll tell us how to do it. And we'll kick things off with Rough Grouse Society Forest Conservation Director John Steigerwald, who's going to demystify the MFL program and share some ideas on managing private forests for wildlife. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. Attention future hunters. Hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888 888- Join RGS. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, the therangewi.com. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies are celebrating 60 years of habitat improvement for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife. You can find out more on the web at roughedgrousesociety.org. And joining us once again is John Steigerwald. He is the Forest Conservation Director for RGS and AWS for Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois. And he's a regular guest on the show. Well, John, thanks for joining us and welcome back. Glad to be back. Well, now, one of the main focuses of the Rough Grouse Society is to help private landowners manage their forest land for wildlife. I mean, that's kind of what you do. What are some of the programs available to help landowners do that? So in, in Wisconsin, we're, we're fairly lucky. We actually have a wealth of programs in our state to assist private, non-industrial landowners uh, with managing their property, not just for, for wildlife, but for a whole suite of, of uh, goals and objectives, including wildlife management. Um, probably the largest program in our state that most uh, residents and non-residents are, are aware of is the MFL program or otherwise known as the Managed Forest Law Tax Program. And this program, uh, it's, it's been around for decades uh, in, in one shape or another. Um, a similar program dating uh, way, way back was called the Forest Crop Law Program, which uh, some people might still be, be familiar with. But the, the goal objective of, of this program is to reduce the tax rate uh, for for forest land owners in our state, uh, and in exchange, incentivize them to do sound, sustainable forest management. Okay, and how does that work? So the the process works that that if a private landowner uh, owns uh, let's say forty acres in in the state of Wisconsin, um, and if that if that land qualifies for the program, it has to have so many. Uh, acres 
of forest that can be entered in. Um, the, the smallest parcel size is 20 acres of forest that can be entered in. It has to meet certain productivity standards. Um, so 80% of those acres entered in have to be classified as productive. Um, and then those, those acres that are forested also have to be, uh, produce so many, um, so much volume of wood per acre per year. Um, there are some other, uh, other requirements related to structures on the property and stuff of that nature. But if, if that property meets the minimum qualifications, um, that, uh, property owner, they'll reach out to uh, a private forester who will write them a certified management plan. And so those, those foresters are called CPW, certified uh, plan writers. And they work in a partnership with the Wisconsin DNR to write these management plans that are then approved by the DNR to enter that, that landowner into the program. And that landowner at the time of entry has the option of entering their property in either under an open or closed designation into the program. And the difference there is if the open designation means that that property is open to the general public for outdoor recreation. Um, the benefit there is that not only do we have more acres that are available for uh, outdoor recreation, but that landowner gets an even greater tax incentive uh, to have it open for public re- recreation. Uh, the closed acreage would, of course, then be closed to um, the public in general for outdoor recreation, but that forest landowner can still recreate on their own property. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hinder them from doing that. Okay. And the, the tax savings would be if, the, if that landowner enters into the closed program would be $10.20 per acre, and under the open designation, $2.04 per acre. So when comparing it to your current um, tax statement, you can see that it's a significant savings um, for most counties uh, on your taxes. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, you mentioned productivity. You have to have a certain level of productivity. Who determines what that is? Is that the uh, forester who comes and writes a plan for you? It, it's determined by that forester who writes the plan and, the, and then uh, checked by the DNR tax law specialist who then um, signs off on the paperwork. And what it amounts to is that the, the acres have to have a certain level of stocking of trees to be classified as forest, as opposed to a woodlot, a woodland, or uh, you know a savanna, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, certain acres that are not forested can be entered into the program. Let's say you have a food plot, uh, or, you know, a relatively small food plot on your your property on that hypothetical forty. That could technically be entered into the program, and you get the tax savings on those acres as well. But they count a Against or they count towards your um, your non-productive acres. Like I said, you can't have more than twenty percent of your acres be non-productive. Mm-hmm. And how long are these contracts usually? Um, how long do they run? Uh, the minimum is ten, is twenty-five years, and the longest is fifty years. Mm, okay. So it is it is a commitment, mm-hmm. but then you get those you get those tax savings uh, for, for the lifespan of that plan. Mm-hmm. And the, the trade off here is that the program um, you get that tax incentive to practice sustainable forest management. So as part of this management plan being developed, you work with your forester to identify the different forest types on your property and identify when you should be doing regular timber harvests on your property that can benefit not just the local community, the local forest products-based economy, but also benefit wildlife species like rough grouse as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who maybe have heard this program, who've been hesitant about this program, should really consider giving it a, a second thought. There have been a lot of changes to the managed forest law program in the past several years that offer a lot more flexibility to the private landowner to really implement their goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. So if you're that private landowner who's really interested in managing your property for wildlife and recreation, there are some real good things that, that you can do on your property and still get that tax incentive. Uh-huh. And um, that's all good information. How about um, posting or notifying potential visitors or the general public that this land is under one of these programs? Is there a requirement for that? Well, if if you do enter into that that open 
designation, you're not required to to post your that your property is open for public recreation, unless there is a an, an easement to access that property or a preferred area where you you would like people to come to your property and park their vehicle and enter the, those open acres. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a whole whole suite of 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 requirements and special circumstances. The best way to go about it is, is actually talking to the local tax law specialist. Uh, usually the DNR has a tax law specialist that oversees between uh, one and, and three or four counties. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you did that for a while with DNR. I did. Uh, that was back in, I think, 2016 uh-huh. or 17. I was a tax law specialist yeah. okay. uh, for the Wisconsin DNR. And I, I, one of my favorite things I loved about that job was, was really talking to private landowners about the flexibility that that program has nowadays so that those landowners could learn that, you know, this is a, this is a good program because not only do you get, you know, get that tax savings, you get a lot of professional advice and guidance and, on that savings on your taxes, I always encouraged private landowners to not just look at that as a savings to pocket in their, you know, in their pocket or go out and buy a new pickup truck because they're saving so much money. But think about reinvesting it back into your, into their property for managing their goals. Mm-hmm. And by getting their goals down on paper, whether it's uh, wildlife, recreation, timber management, it helped people prioritize, you know, what projects they could do with those tax savings to really meet their long-term goals and objectives for that property. Uh-huh. That's great advice. Well, we got to let you go here pretty quick, but how can people learn more about the uh, Managed Forest Law uh, and other programs? The best way would be going to the Wisconsin DNR's website and researching uh, the Managed Forest Law program. Uh, and getting in contact with one of the local tax law specialists. The other way to learn more about the program, and because this is just one of many programs out there, um, would also be reaching out to Jared Elm, if you're in the Spooner area, who works for, for RGS and helps landowners with um, management plans on their property um, as a forest wildlife specialist, or Dan Hoff, our other uh, forest wildlife specialist who works out of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. In fact, Jared did walk our property up in Bayfield County with my son John, who's managing it now. And uh, I so, so you can attest to to the quality work that he does. <laughs> I wasn't there, but I I believe that uh, he certainly did help him. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, shedding some light on uh, some alphabet issues here. People bandy about the the, the terms MFL and FCL, uh, oftentimes without really knowing what they're all about. But we appreciate your uh, clearly explaining how this works, and people can learn more by simply searching for that on the DNR website. So thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again next month. Thank you. John Steigerwald, he is the Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies for this area, and this was brought to you by the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Society, celebrating 60 years of habitat improvement for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife. Learn more about their programs at roughgrousesociety.org. You'll also find contact information there for uh, Jared and Dan, the two forester, uh, foresters he mentioned. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Outdoor Expo, formerly called the Deer and Turkey Expo, and then the Outdoor Life Field and Stream Expo, has a new name and location. It's now the Open Season Sportsman's Expo. And, of course, it's usually held at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, but this year it will be held March 26th through 28th at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. And you can learn more at OpenSeasonSportsmansExpo.com. And joining us now is one of the seminar speakers at this year's expo, Eddie Salter. Eddie has won many regional turkey calling championships, and twice he won the World Open Championship. And he's one of the country's leading authorities on turkey hunting and a great ambassador for the sport. And he's known as the Turkey Man. And his website, of course, is theturkeyman.com. Well, Turkey Man, thanks for joining us, and good to talk to you again. Hey, man, I'm <laughs> glad to be here, boy. I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of birthdays since I talked to you. 
I'm glad to have him. Yeah, I and you and me both, absolutely. Uh, and, and you haven't been up this way in a few years now, have you? I, I have not, and I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I got a lot of great friends up there. You know, matter of fact, right there in Madison, when uh, Glenn had the show, uh, I was the first guy to ever do a turkey seminar up there, and you know, it wasn't even nobody that knew anything about turkey hunting much, and it was very few. I was in a room. I don't know. It must have been close to 2,000 people, and I can't believe that many people come to a turkey seminar. And uh, and I found out that uh, you know you had to put in for a permit. And I asked this, well, how many of you got permits to uh, drew a tag this spring? And you know it really wasn't probably over oh, two or three hundred that held the hands up out of the 2,000. And I couldn't believe it that you know. Of course, I grew up in Alabama. And, uh, you know, I guess that, uh, you know, we could just go buy a hunting license and, you know, we could go turkey hunting for six weeks. We didn't have to have a special week or anything, but, but anyhow, I was blown away with it. And, uh, but I tell you what, I've, I've met a lot of nice folks up there and, and nowadays, uh, you know, it's real liberal. You can, you can easily get a permit and so much has changed. And, uh, but I tell you what, uh, I'm glad to see the turkeys numbers has just, you know, grew up and I mean, just kind of got it more available where people can go hunt. Well, you're right, Eddie, and things have changed in the uh, 30 plus years that we've had a season. I have a friend uh, who hunts all spring and all fall. He shot 10 birds last year. And, no yeah, <laughs> and you can buy more permits. I usually end up with a couple tags unfilled, but we have lots of opportunities. And back when you first came and spoke to that uh, that large crowd, we didn't know anything about turkey hunting. You, <laughs> you Southern boys taught us everything. Everything. Well, uh, I, that, I was tip, yeah, I was tickled to death to be able to talk to you. You know, I actually. You know, back then, I think we were selling mouth calls for four or five dollars a piece. Might not even been that much. And I sold everything I took up there. I mean, I sold completely out. Mm. I didn't bring nothing back home. And, uh, you know, because, you know, you really couldn't run out there and buy turkey stuff because they wouldn't care them, you know, in the, in the, in the sporting goods stores much back then. I remember doing one at Ace Hardware. I think you might have been involved with that in a little bit, wouldn't you? Uh, it could be. I was at a couple of those, yep. Yeah, and uh, man, it was it was always we'd go up there. I remember one night he get the boy said we got thirty five degrees now. And I said my old coon dog froze to death, and I just couldn't believe how you know how cold it got. And that old dog, he I reckon he just didn't have enough uh, insulation in his old house out there. Had his old dog house, and uh, but I'll never forget that. But mm. uh, man, I tell you what, it's just uh, I'm excited to come back up there and uh, be able to talk about. It. I'm, I appreciate the uh, open seasons. Uh, you know, they're giving me an opportunity to come up here. I've actually worked a show in Paducah this year, and you know, with the COVID, with the COVID and everything, I think it basically turned out, you know, to be an okay show. Uh, uh, you know, it didn't turn out as, you know, with the numbers as as much as we, you know, would have hoped it to be. But you know, with this vaccine now, and then I, I was seeing on news last night where they're talking about the COVID. Is it, you know, in our part of the country, as it, it's at as low as it's been, and for a number of, you know, weeks now. So I'm tickled to death to see it declining. And, uh, and I tell you what, you know, it is so much to see at these shows. And tell me about the new location. I'm interested in that too. Well, this is, uh, one of the, um, resort hotels in Wisconsin Dells, which is known as the water sport capital of the world. Um, each one of these resorts and Kalahari is one of them. Uh, has a theme and they have a huge water park where, uh, you know, families come and kids go down these water slides year round. Uh, but the Kalahari has a, a very nice, um, you'd call it a convention center. There's three large rooms. Uh, it doesn't have as much room, of course, as the Alliance Center. But as you suggested from the Kentucky show, uh, it'll be downsized a little bit, but there will be plenty of room for uh, all the exhibitors and, uh, and attendees. And, uh, I talked with Chris O'Hara last week and he said uh, Kentucky was safe. Everyone followed the rules. Everybody wore a mask. And that's going to be the story here in Wisconsin as well. So, uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Well, what are you going to do at the, uh, at your seminar? I, I, I don't want you to give it all away, but uh, what are you going to talk about? Well, you know, a lot of it is 
the same stuff I talked about 30 something years ago, but a lot of, you know, you know, we have a tendency, you know, to get on a fast pace and forget about some of the little details that can make a difference of, you know, letting that turkey ride in your truck or not. And that's what we want him. We want him to ride in our truck, but you know, I'll, I'm going to run over stuff, you know, for a guy that just don't know nothing. And then, then hopefully I'm going to have some stuff in there that, you know, some of the experienced hunters can take and use. And, uh, you know, what I'm going to do is give an opportunity to have questions. And I, I want to talk about what, whatever, the, you know, the, the crowd wants to talk about. But, you know, actually, you know, it's kind of went round circle for me. I started off for myself doing my own calls, you know, in 80-something. I think it may be 88 when I was up there, 89. I can't remember. But the first time I was up there at Madison and uh, – but now I, I, I went to work with the big, big guys, and, man, I had a great career with them, got involved a lot with TV and all that, and then ended up with my own TV show called Turkey Man. And, uh, you know, now I went back into you know, more or less just custom-building calls now, and, you know, I ain't really wanting to sell the world calls like I used to. I thought I used to have to sell everybody, but I'm just kind of doing – I'm putting a little bit more custom in it and personalizing them a little bit more and uh, you know we hand building all the mouth calls and all the slate calls and you know i got my own shop now i got my workshop out there i got a cnc machine and man, i'm just enjoying life uh fooling with this right here i wish i'd have done it went back doing it 10 years earlier on my own again yeah i i hear you there's a lot of you know, as we get older, we, we learn a lot that we sure wish we had known in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. <laughs> that, that is true. and yeah. uh, But, you know, uh, my health's still been good, and, you know, I still love to get out there and hear them old turkeys gobble, and, and I like to get on that collar and tell them I love them, and I'll kiss them in the ear, and hopefully they'll come see me. And, uh, you know, I was telling you years ago, turkey hunting's about just you can sum it up in two words. That's sex and violence. You yep. tell them you love them, and, and then boom, you shoot them, and it's all over with. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> but anyhow, hey, I'm looking forward to being up there. Looking, hopefully you can get a chance to come out at the show and sit and visit with me a minute or two. I'll have a booth there, and I'll be glad to sign some. You know, maybe if you got some old calls, bring them up there and let me sign them for you. And any of the, like, hunter specialties, I, I'll, I'll sign anything you bring up there. And uh, so... But I uh, look forward to showing you, you know, my new stuff and just looking forward to talking to the folks. Yeah, and, and I'm sure people are going to be coming to hear you and to see you and uh, and uh, bump fists with you or elbows or whatever the, the protocol will be. Say, uh, Eddie, what do, you, what do you tell people uh, the, the biggest mistake that a new turkey hunter can make? Well, I think most of the times they, they, they forget. I mean, they don't call enough, and then and then sometimes they can call too much. But most of them, you know, uh, what what I what I tell them is go out there with an open mind and uh, and learn probably learn to use multiple calls. A lot of them are just get you know maybe an old box call, and that's all they will use is just that box call. Well, get you a mouth call or get you a slate call and change it up. Sound like two girls over there in the bushes instead of one. And uh, you can have a lot more excitement, you know, doing that and, you know, getting them old turkeys fired up. And a lot of times, too, is when they gobble, as soon as they get that last note out, I'm answering them. I'm calling back to them. You know, as a rule of thumb, we like to hear them gobble. And then we call to them and try to, you know, uh, you know, just call to them. But what I like to do, I mean, as a rule of thumb, let back up is you call and the turkey gobbles, but I like to let the turkey gobble and then jump right back on him. So don't be scared to call. I think that's probably sums it up right there. All right. Well, Eddie, we got to let you go here. I know you're a busy man, and uh, we've got other folks to talk to this week, but I look forward to seeing you at the Kalahari in the, the Dells in uh, just about six, eight weeks, and uh, hope you have a great uh, uh, a great winter leading up to that. Well, I appreciate that. Look, hey, it's so much to see at the show. Y'all, y'all bring your family out. Any of y'all listening to it? The kids will love it. Mama, it's jewelry there for them to look at too. So, hey, I'm going to be very disappointed if I don't get a chance to bump shoulders with you or bump, bump fists with you. And, uh, so y'all come see me right there. All right. All right, Eddie. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
Eddie Salter, Turkey Man, and his website, of course, theturkeyman.com. And this was brought to you by the Open Season Sportsman's Expo this year at the Kalahari Resort in the Dells, March 26th through 28th. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Attention landowner, the Conservation Reserve Program, CRP, is now open. CRP is a great alternative for low-yielding acres to improve farm profitability, deliver high-quality wildlife habitat, cleaner water, and healthier soils. The CRP sign-up is going on right now through February 12th. Find a local Pheasants Forever biologist at pheasantsforever.org slash CRP or visit your local USDA service center. Farm the best, CRP the rest. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888 Join RGS. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. Dan Small here. We're brought to you in part by the Wisconsin DNR Hunter Education and R3 programs. You can learn more at dnr.wi.gov and also at GoWild.com. Dot wi.gov and joining us now is marty moses he's the pheasants forever state coordinator for wisconsin and he works with um, the dnr and other partners in these programs marty thanks so much for joining us yeah my pleasure dan thanks for inviting me well you bet now tell us what your connection is to the uh learn to hunt and r3 programs that the dnr has uh, has got going Sure. So I've been involved with this partnership for, oh, nearly four years now. Uh, Pheasants Forever, uh, as a conservation organization, you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on these trending rates of hunter participation and those declines that they're declining. So we were very keen to get involved with uh, the Wisconsin DNR and their really strong program uh, geared towards hunter recruitment. So they brought me on through a partnership, and I'm I'm here to help run some of the programs, such as Hunt for Food, uh, that specifically target uh, outreach opportunities to adults who never had the experience of hunting in the past. So I'm doing some of those sorts of programs, as well as uh, working on some mentor training and recruitment programs. Okay. And I have participated uh, with John Motoviloff in a couple of Learn to Turkey Hunt programs, uh, with adults, and years ago when I lived over in the eastern part of the state, I helped uh, one of the NWTF chapters there with their annual youth turkey hunt. So I'm I'm pretty familiar with what goes on here. But you mentioned mentors. Um, you have to recruit folks to, to help these new hunters, don't you? That's right, Dan. You know, when we run our programs, um, we're really dependent on the ability to bring in some folks who can help us and become that mentor or hunting buddy when we actually go out in the field to conduct the hunt. So we'll have folks in a classroom setting for a couple of days, uh, giving them some background info, but it always ends in, in a hunt, whether it's a turkey hunt or a deer hunt or even a small game hunt. And we often need to have that one-on-one um, mentor to be able to, to run those. So we're always looking for mentors and it's, sometimes are our bottleneck to successful programs. Uh-huh. Now, before we get into how you find mentors and how you train them, um, these programs that we're talking about are geared mainly toward adults, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, 
youth youth events are always going to be part of that. We've got a lot of great partners and uh, organizations that host youth learn to hunts. And uh, we realized, you know, that there was a hole, there was a gap for adults who never had that experience and recognizing that they don't maybe want to go spend a day with a bunch of youth. They would maybe rather be part of uh, a peer group of similar age. So we've generated these programs specifically for adults um, and, and really because we recognize that they have the three M's. They have the money to be involved. They have the mobility they can drive and get themselves to places and they've really got a motivation to learn um learn how to hunt learn how to access kind of that local food source oftentimes well as our program is titled hunt for food we're very focused on utilizing our hunt and uh building in recipes and, and talking just about how we can maximize the use of game when we're harvesting animals mm-hmm. uh and of course these new hunters are generally for these programs paired up with an experienced hunter and how do you make that pairing and how do you how do you get those mentors or buddies as you like to call them yeah you know um it it comes from a variety of ways you know one is just friends of friends sort of a trickle-down effect where we're we're reaching out to people that we know we also advertise uh, some of the mentor training or introduction to becoming a mentor programs that, that I help to run. Um, you know, we, we blast that out on social media feeds and um, when we're able, it's also uh, advertised through the DNR outlets. Currently with COVID, we're, we're certainly being very conscientious of how we encourage folks to be out uh, participating in hunting. Um, right now we would encourage most people to try to stick within a household or kind of within their family if they're interested in mentoring. Certainly right now in the midst of winter, there's not a lot of hunting to be done, but um, even mentoring folks maybe on learn how to ice fish is certainly a, a possibility. And I want to iter- reiterate too that, you know, we keep using this term mentor and it's a bit of a loaded term. What I'm really talking about is we just need buddies. We need folks who are willing to share the knowledge that they have. You do not need to be an expert on anything to become a hunting buddy. You know, you're just really being available to be a friend and, and share what you know. At the end of the day, you, all of us are going to know significantly more than probably our newest participants to these hunting classes. And so being able to coach folks through very simple things like scouting, um, reading maps, understanding how to set up a tree stand or a deer blind, um, you know, picking out camouflage, all these kind of very basic level opportunities uh, to, to learn are important to a new hunter and something that they're not going to necessarily have from their families if they're new to hunting to begin with. So when I say a mentor, those are the kinds of really basic things that we're talking about, and ultimately it's just being a friend out there. Uh-huh. Now, before we went uh, uh, on air to record here, you mentioned to me there's some recent research that delved into the question of what does it really mean to be a mentor? What uh, you know, What's in the mindset of someone, and, and what is the behavior that a mentor is expected to perform? Uh, can you share a little of that? Yeah, sure. So very recent research um, is coming out through through kind of in-depth surveys across the nation of different organizations and agencies that are working on this same kind of R3 initiative and recruiting both new hunters as well as new mentors. And one of the sticking points was even that word mentor. Both sides of the coin kind of struggle with that word on on the mentor side or you know the the expert the current hunter side um they feel that it, it imparts a sense of expertise and professional level uh, understanding that some people feel like they don't have and that's where i was getting at the idea of consider yourself more as just a friend or a hunting buddy out there you know that's really what it is and then on the flip side for the new hunter who is learning from somebody they, through this, through these surveys, um, have indicated that they also do not like to be paired up with someone who's titled a mentor, uh, without their, without that new hunter's own perspectives being put forward. So it's like, you know, Dan, if you and I were to, to work together and you teach me how to do some hunting, I'd be glad to call you a mentor. But if we're paired up and I've never met you and someone says, Hey, this is your mentor. 
that kind of brings a, a certain air of, uh, uh, I don't even know what the right word would be, but, but you kind of follow where I'm going. And there's a certain level of prestige that comes with it that really is only uh, valuable if the person has their own perspectives for it. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, well, and, and, and speaking of, you know, what it means to be a mentor, you and John Motoviloff, who's been on the show a number of times, are actually hosting a an intro to mentoring uh, virtually. You're doing this online coming up real soon, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, for bringing that up, Dan. We, John and I, will be doing a virtual uh, kind of introduction to being a hunter mentor. We're going to host this on February 23rd on Tuesday, that's a Tuesday from 6 to 8, but we'll be flexible with that time. We, we surely hope to engage in some conversation and, and do a little bit of a deep dive. But prior to COVID restrictions, John and I uh, and some DNR partners had been running crisscrossing the state and, and hosting some of these mentor trainings in person. We uh, before COVID hit, we were right around 300 people who signed up voluntarily to come through and, and learn a little bit more of the background on mentoring. And we touch on things like the North American model of wildlife conservation, uh, some of the motivations that adults have that are slightly different than youth. Um, we provide some guidance and some recommendations on, on just your uh, – skills that you need to impart, some ideas on ways you can take folks out, and then also just touch even on how to find uh, someone to mentor. That seems to often be a, a big question for people is they're willing to share their information, but they kind of don't know anyone who doesn't hunt. Sometimes we get so tight into our own circles of hunting friends that we don't necessarily know many people who do not hunt. So we try to break into that a little bit too and, and provide just a well-rounded introduction and background to help folks feel more comfortable going out there and serving as a as a hunting buddy. Well, before we let you go, how can we learn more, and how can we sign up for that? So we're in the midst of still creating our uh, flyer and announcement that will ultimately be released on uh, on Pheasants Forever Wisconsin, our Facebook page. We'll be creating this event, and will be promoted there. We'll also be promoted on the Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin National Wild Turkey Federation website, um, and it will just be John and I. This one won't necessarily be affiliated with the DNR, so it's just our two programs um, that will be providing uh, providing this insight. So it'll be blasted out through some social media avenues, uh, hopefully word of mouth. Anyone who hears about this, um, they can they can be in touch, and certainly they can reach out to me uh, at my email address. I can I can share that. It's M Moses at pheasantsforever.org. Uh, feel free to reach out to me, and, and I can be sure to keep you in the loop. All right. Well, we will also put links to um, these uh, sites, uh, your Facebook page and the NWTF Wisconsin website, and, uh, on our um, uh, news release that goes out about this show, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully send some listeners to at least explore, if not maybe become uh, mentors or hunting buddies. Well, thank you so much, Marty, and uh, stay warm out there. We've we've got a chilly winter going on here, but this is Wisconsin, right? Yep. Well, thanks, Dan. You bet. Marty Moses is the state coordinator for Pheasants Forever. You can learn more about what we've just talked about here on the Facebook page for Pheasants Forever and the National Wild Turkey Federation Wisconsin website. Just search for those. You'll find them. This is brought to you by the Wisconsin DNR Hunter Education and R3 programs. Learn more about those at dnr.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Attention future hunters. Hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. 
Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. As Remy Battery enters the 90th anniversary of our company, we want to thank all of our customers and friends we've made over the years. We can't even begin to imagine how many batteries we've put into our community's cars, boats, campers, ATVs, businesses, and homes over the past nine decades. We want to thank you for your continued support to our local, family-owned company. As we continue to power through winter, we can't wait to see you soon to prep your boats, motorcycles, and all of your summer toys. We have batteries from the largest military crafts to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Don't forget to ask your sales representative about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888 join rgs welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information outdoors radio with dan small outdoors radio is brought to you by the wisconsin hunter education program with the wisconsin dnr dnr dnr.wi.gov and by cedar lake sales on highway 33 west in west bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com Cedar Lake Sales is open for business. You can check out their website or Facebook page for details, and I'm sure they are getting the spring stuff out now. They are. In fact, they've got many boats in stock, and they've got more coming in every week. So they're telling me you can order now for spring delivery. And I mentioned last week, check out their cute commercial on their website. Uh, Brian and Alan ham it up a little bit uh, just for fun. And if you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident and need help, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupy.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham in Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa are open for business if you need their help. Well, if you missed Outdoor Wisconsin any time at all, you can watch any show from the past several seasons at milwaukeepbs.org or on pbswisconsin.org. And our Deer Hunt annual show is also on both of those um, websites and also on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel if you want to catch it again. And you can hear us online all the time at lake-link.com. You can go online uh, and look up this show, past shows up to about a year ago, and uh, go to lake-link.com, their outdoor radio page. We're there. Dan's on social media. Follow him at Dan Small Outdoors. You can follow me at Hardwater Jeff. And if you have a business and would like to reach our listeners, thousands of outdoors enthusiasts, with your message, why not advertise with us? It's easy just to uh, to learn more. You can email me at dsoradio at gmail.com or call 414-297-7554. And you can also call or email us with show comments or suggestions, people you'd like to hear, uh, ideas for future segments. The Capital City Chapter of Muskies, Inc., Muskie University, is coming up in March. It will be virtual this year. Their Facebook page is where you can sign up and tells you all about the three sessions each of three days in March and April. And uh, I've been mentioning it each week. I'm teaching a fly fishing seminar April 3rd at 1 p.m., and you have to pre-register for that. Well, you know, Jeff, we learned, or I learned anyway, that last week's four-play turkey call winner, Braden Krogstedt, is a 12-year-old from Montana, and... He has shot three bucks in three years, and he learned about our giveaway on GoWild.com, which is not the GoWild Wisconsin licensing system. It's a different website. I've got to check it out. Uh, Brian Benokin posted the the fact that uh, we had the giveaway, and I think he posted our segment there, and Braden signed up on uh, on the spot right from there. So. 
Happy we, to have listeners all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com, and you can buy his CD, Anglin, Wayne, and the Trollers, with our two theme songs, You Get a Line, and our send-off song, Trolling Home to You. I'm Dan Small with Jeff Kelm. Well, watch the weather, but if you can, get outside this weekend and join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by Lake Link, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Go dry in the coffee can, honey.